0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla holds its quarterly earnings call for the biggest quarter in its history, and as usual, I've got a full recap, analysis, and highlights from the call, including what Elon Musk had to say about the switch to a vision-based autopilot system, the media's reporting of the recent Model S accident in Texas, an update on the delayed deliveries of the new Model S and Model X, and much more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to episode 300 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast since August of 2015. I am recording from Arizona. I came down to visit my parents after uh, we are all fully vaccinated now. Drove on down. I'm going to tell you about that in my spirit of adventure section of the show later on after I get to the meat of everything. But I'm also just want to let you know I'm recording on a different microphone than I usually have. Hopefully it's going to sound pretty good, but if it sounds different, as it, I'm sure it will sound different, I hope it's still uh, a, an enjoyable listening experience for you. It's not as nice as my home one, or at the very least, it's not as expensive, so we'll see if that translates to good or bad or not. Uh, but real quick, I want to say happy episode 300 to all of you. I want to say just thank you to all of you who've been on this ride with me. It's just getting started. There's I'm just getting rolling here. I mean, I know a lot of you joined in at episode 200 when uh, Elon Musk was on the show. So to those of you who fall into that category, I say happy 100th episode of listening to this podcast, because even if you quote unquote only came in at episode 200, 100 podcasts is a lot. That's 100 plus hours worth of of my voice and of this podcast. And in all sincerity, I very much appreciate your time and attention as well as your support, no matter when you started listening, whether it was last week or episode 200 or episode one. You know, on the on the subject of episode 300, you will, of course, recall who my special guest was by pretty much by coincidence that Elon was on episode 200. That was sort of a happy coincidence, but I did try to get a a uh, certain world-famous special guest on here for episode 300. In fact, I I tried for months. I, I put out the, the, uh, the inquiry many months in advance. Uh, sadly, obviously, did not work out this time. Maybe, you never know, though. That's the thing. You never know. Maybe someday that special guest will come back. All I can do is put in the work, right? All I can do is do my best, put in the work, and maybe someday there will be uh, another special guest appearance here. Now, speaking of special guests, before I get rolling with the quarterly earnings recap, Elon Musk is hosting Saturday Night Live on May 8th. So while this is, of course, a Tesla podcast and not an Elon Musk podcast, uh, I will nevertheless still almost certainly play you a clip or two from that. Uh, on It's going to end up being episode 302 because I record on Friday nights. So today I'm recording on Friday morning here as uh, from Arizona. I took the day off here on this is, uh my last day with my parents before I, I set out on my return to San Francisco. But yeah, it'll be on episode 302 with Saturday Night Live airing, of course, late Saturday, and I've, I'll have already recorded. So stay tuned for that or just tune in for it if you'd like to watch the whole thing yourself Saturday Night Live on May 8th. Meanwhile, one other quick programming note here, housekeeping note. The Google Hangout for the Maximum Plaid-level Patreon backers, as well as anyone who is a new backer or upgraded backer, that's going to happen on Sunday, May 9th. Because, again, I'll be driving back uh, from Arizona this this, uh, weekend. So I'm just going to push that out one week. I'll be sending out emails and calendar invites for that very soon, so you can uh, you can join me if you are eligible. I hope you will. And the monthly Patreon bonus mini episode that will also be done and posted for backers at the ludicrous tier of the Patreon or higher at some point this week as well. I've got a I've got a full plate waiting for me when I get back from Arizona. Uh, anyway, let's get on with what you're here for, which is Tesla news. There is a lot of it, as always, especially at earnings call time. So I want to start this episode with the shareholder letter because there was more, uh, there were more juicy details in this, more interesting tidbits here than there typically are, at least in my opinion. And I want to start by just getting the bad news out of the way first. The Cybertruck seems to now be a total no-go for 2021. I say that because it was not mentioned at all in the earnings call, which I'll be playing you highlights of here shortly, and in the shareholder letter, in the Texas portion of it, only the Model Y is mentioned as being as beginning initial production and deliveries. I might add, late this year, that was their terminology. Late this year for initial production and deliveries. On uh, on the page, though, Cybertruck is listed alongside Roadster as well as the Tesla Semi as in development. Whereas Model Y in Model Y in Texas and Model Y in Berlin are both listed as construction. So those, you know, the Tesla themselves with their own little chart indicating that the Model Y progress is further along than the Cybertruck progress. And at the very end of the shareholder letter, under the product outlook section, which is right near the end, it reads. We are currently building Model Y capacity at Gigafactory Berlin and Gigafactory Texas and remain on track to start production and deliveries from each location in 2021. Gigafactory Shanghai will continue to expand further over time. Tesla Semi deliveries will also begin in 2021. So again, uh, as, I, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Tesla Semi was listed as in development, not construction. So seemingly the Model Y at the two new factories is uh, further ahead in progress than the Tesla Semi is. But nevertheless, Tesla's continuing to indicate that Tesla Semi deliveries will still begin this year. But that means, as you heard, no mention of Cybertruck. So it does seem like it is going to slip into 2022. Now, this is not at all a surprise. It's not going to be music to anyone's ears because I know a lot of you out there have Cybertruck pre-orders, Cybertruck reservations. Many of you are looking very much forward to that truck. But again, not a surprise. I've been talking about this for a while, trying to mentally prepare us all. Every recent mention of the Cybertruck by Elon has seemed to either subtly walk back any 2021 expectation for the Cybertruck or at least minimize it significantly Uh, They were, you know, either consciously or not, subconsciously, trying to mentally prepare us for this. Now, it's possible that the issue might be related either in part or in large part to the lack of sufficient viable 4680 battery cells. Keep that note in mind because we're going to hear more about that in the earnings call highlights coming up shortly. But for now, let's continue on with the other relevant tidbits from the shareholder letter. Oh, and by the way, on that same chart that Tesla had in the shareholder letter where the Roadster, Semi, and Cybertruck are listed as in development, there's one other vehicle also listed as in development, and it's simply labeled future product. That, I suspect, is almost certainly the $25,000 Tesla, a.k.a., colloquially speaking for now, the Model 2. All right, back to good news. In Q1 of 2021, that, uh, that's what this shareholder letter and earnings call were all about. Tesla made a $438 million gap net income, a.k.a. profit. Or as they would say on South Park, profit. That is excellent news. Uh, Tesla notes that their revenue grew 74% year over year in Q1. I would have to imagine, I, I again, this might be a really ignorant statement, and I apologize if it is, but... I suspect that not a lot of the other Fortune 500 companies can say that they grew 74% year over year. I mean, that's that's substantial growth for any company, let alone uh, one of the you know sort of titans, including the titans at the top of the Fortune 500 ladder. But anyway, uh, other interesting notes from the shareholder letter. Tesla noting that the average cost to build each car has been cut by more than half. Since the Model S and Model X days, they write, In 2017, as we began production of Model 3, our average cost per vehicle across the fleet was about $84,000. Due to the launch of new products and new factories and the reduced mix of Model S and X, our average cost declined to sub $38,000 per vehicle in Q1. So, wow, you want to talk about maturity as a business? That is what it takes to go from being a niche, low-volume automaker to Tesla's goal, which is a mass-market, high-volume automaker. That is simply incredible. Also, I have to say, I've been following this company for many, many years. I did not realize, because I'm not sure Tesla ever had, had ever mentioned that information, I didn't realize that the average cost to build the S and the X used to be so high. That is, uh, that is quite an expensive vehicle to put together, but it is continuing to come down through advancements. I mean, primarily, it's, it's the cost per kilowatt hour. That's going to be a big chunk of it. Tesla has been able to vertically integrate their way to reducing that. We've known for years that the cost per kilowatt hour is probably the biggest key to lowering the ultimate retail sale price of an electric vehicle and getting them into more and more people's hands. Uh, Next note from the shareholder letter, the average sale price of of a Tesla, not just cost to build, now average cost of sale is way down as well. Quote, while the average sale price of our vehicles declined in Q1, our auto gross margin increased sequentially as our costs decreased even faster. Reducing the average cost of the vehicles we produce is essential to our mission. Well, I would imagine that the lower ASP there is probably due in part, as Tesla suggested just a moment ago about the average cost, but the average sale price uh, coming down is no doubt also due in part to the fact that there were effectively zero S's or X's in Q1. Not having any $80,000 vehicles in the mix, even if those cars are just 10% of of the total volume of vehicles sold in the quarter, that's going to bring your ASP down. I mean, the fact that the Model S starts at 80, and uh, prior to the refresh, it topped out in the low 100s now, obviously, with Plaid and Plaid Plus, it goes much higher. Uh, Model X, you know, the the S now, or excuse me, it used to top out in the low 100 thousands, low six figures. Model X would top out a bit higher. But yeah, I, I would guess, just fathoming a guess without having the data, I would suspect that the average sale price of the S and the X combined, if you just put all the S's and X's into a pool, uh, again, prior to the refresh, I'll bet the ASP on those is probably in the 90s somewhere. You know, some people are just buying the base version, uh, but right away, if you add full self-driving, that's another 10k. So I suspect somewhere in the 90s is, is the average for your S and X. Speaking of the new S and X, their production continues to lag, unfortunately. And Obviously, there have been no deliveries yet. Tesla noting here, first deliveries of the new Model S should start very shortly. Model Y production rate in Shanghai continues to improve quickly. And two new factories, Berlin and Texas, are making progress. There is a lot to be excited about in 2021. Well, we'll hear more about that in the earnings call shortly. But on this note, new orders. If you were to order a Model S today, just go ahead and build one and and hit order today, that is showing an estimated delivery window of August to September, somewhere in there, whereas the Model X is October-November. So bear that in mind. That's quite a wait here. Moving along the shareholder letter, remember when I hypothesized last week that the Model Y production ramp was probably done in Fremont, and I, I base that hypothesis on the fact that the Model Y has outsold the Model 3 in the past two quarters. Well, apparently I was wrong about that. And the, the production ramp is not done yet. Tesla's saying, quote, in Fremont, Model Y production continued to ramp successfully and is approaching full capacity. Approaching full capacity. Uh, continuing, we expect that our Shanghai factory will continue to increase quarterly production output throughout the year, in Texas, the factory buildout continues to progress quickly, remaining on track to start production and deliveries late this year. We recently began moving equipment into the building and are in the process of commissioning them in certain areas. Now, on this note, the installed annual capacity chart that's on the same page as that very statement, it lists the Model 3 and Model Y combined annual production capacity for Fremont at uh, 500,000 vehicles, 3 and Y combined for Fremont, and 450,000 for Shanghai. Now, again, that's as of now. We know now that both of those locations are still ramping up their Model Y efforts. So even today, without the Model Y being fully ramped up and without Berlin and Texas making a single Model Y yet, Tesla has the capacity to just about sell a million vehicles just from the 3 and the Y this year. And that's, again, completely factoring out the new S and the X, which, again, Elon's going to talk more about the demand for, not just the the delay of, but the demand for it. I've got a clip on that in the earnings call coming up. Uh, Just a couple more things here before I get to the highlights from the earnings call. Berlin is on schedule. Giga Berlin, quote, In Europe, build-out of Gigafactory Berlin is continuing to move forward with production and deliveries remaining on track for late 2021 machinery for paint, stamping, castings, etc continues to be moved into the building. In the meantime, we will continue to increase import volumes to Europe. So that's going to be Shanghai sending out 3s and Ys to Europe. And one more I thought what I thought was a really interesting note in the shareholder letter before I move on to the earnings call. Check out the update that Tesla gave about Battery and powertrain. They said, quote, The range of our electric vehicles has increased significantly over the years and will continue to increase thanks to improvements in cell chemistry, cell design, battery pack architecture, powertrain efficiency, new thermal systems, and vehicle platform design. Because achieving longer range is essential for converting more ICE vehicle owners to EVs, Range improvements remain one of our main priorities, end quote. So clearly, Tesla believes that 300 miles of range in their affordable vehicles or in any of the vehicles isn't enough. I mean, we're already seeing the S and the X, the new versions, really go well north of 300. But that, to me, is saying the three and the Y, they're going to continue to push towards 400 miles of range on the 3 and the Y. I mean, they don't say that directly here, to be clear, that's my interpretation, uh, but that's I, that seems to be clearly what they're telegraphing, in my opinion. And for what it's worth, I completely agree with them about range being a huge bridge to cross for many people to switch over to an EV. Even if those cars are ultimately going to spend most of their lives carrying around a lot of cells that are going to be mostly unused... It is what's necessary to inspire enough confidence in people to make the leap. I mean, that's that's just sort of the reality. It's not the ideal scenario, but but that's, uh, that's how Tesla sees it, and I agree with them on this one. If you can get a fast, extremely safe, again, objectively safest car on the planet, autonomous capable Tesla with 400 miles of range for 35 to 40 grand, if that's what where Tesla is able to get to, that's going to draw in a lot more people than that exact same vehicle that has, quote-unquote, only 300 miles of range for the same price, which is where we are now. And and it is, it's the 4680 cells that are going to unlock Tesla's ability to do that in a very affordable manner. And uh, as I've been teasing, I'll tease once again, we're going to hear more about the 4680 cells in the earnings call, which is now. Let's talk about the earnings call. So as always, I like to start by playing Elon Musk's entire opening statement. This one was even longer than usual. This is 10 minutes and nine seconds. Here's what Elon had to say to kick off the earnings call.
1: Uh, Great, thank you. Uh, So Q1 2021 was a record quarter on many levels. Uh, Tesla achieved uh, record production, deliveries, and surpassed a billion dollars in, non, in non-gap net income for the first time. Uh, and we've seen a real shift in customer perception of electric vehicles, uh, and our demand is the best we've, we've ever seen. So, this is, to um, be we're used to seeing a reduction in demand in the first quarter, uh, and we saw an increase in demand. Uh, this is that, that exceeded the, the normal uh, seasonal uh, reduction in demand in Q1. Um, so, um, Model 3 became the best-selling mid-sized premium sedan uh, in the world. In fact, it, I should say, the, the best-selling uh, luxury sedan of any kind uh, in the world. The, the BMW 3 Series was, for the longest time, the best-selling premium sedan. Uh, it's been exceeded by the Tesla Model 3. And this is only three and a half years into production and with just two factories. Um, mm-hmm. For Model 3 to be out, outselling its combustion engine competitors, I think is quite remarkable. In the past couple of quarters, we delivered uh, roughly a quarter million Model 3s, so uh, but which translates to an annualized rate of half a million per year. Uh, when it comes to, to Model Y, uh, we think Model Y will be the best-selling car or vehicle of any kind in the world, um, and probably next year. So um, I'm not 100% certain next year, but I think it's... it's Quite likely, I'd say more likely than not that in 2022, Model Y is the best-selling car or truck of any kind in the world. Uh, then, um, with regard to full self-driving, uh, full self-driving, beta continues to make uh, great progress. This is definitely one of the, I think one of the, the hardest technical problems that exists, uh, that's maybe ever existed, and uh, really. In order to solve it, we, we, we basically need to solve a pretty significant part of of artificial intelligence, of specifically real-world artificial intelligence. Um, and that, that, uh, that, that sort of AI, the, the neural nets need to be compressed into a, a fairly small computer, a, a very efficient computer that we've designed, but nonetheless, you know, a small computer that's using on the order of 70 or 80 watts. Um, so this is I mean, a much harder problem than if you what do you say, you know 10,000 computers in a, in a server room or something like that. Uh this this has got to fit into a smaller brain. Um, and uh, this I think with with the elimination of radar, we we're finally getting rid of one of the the last um crashes. Radar was really uh it, it, it was making up for some of the shortfalls of vision but this is not good you actually just need vision to work and when vision works it works it it, it, it works better than the best human um, cause it's like having eight cameras it's like having eyes in the back of your head the sides of your head and and, and three eyes at different focal distances looking forward um, this is yeah you know, um, and, and processing it at a speed that is superhuman. This, this, I, I, there's, no, there's no question in my mind that uh, with a pure vision solution, uh, we can make a car that is dramatically safer than uh, the average person. So, but but it is a hard problem because we are actually solving something quite fundamental about artificial intelligence. We're, we're, we're we basically have to solve real-world vision audio, AI, um, and we are so. Um, and key to solving this is also having just a massive data set. So, um, just having, um, all over a million cars on the road, uh, that are, that are collecting data from, uh, very sort of corner case, rare situations, um, you know, sort of like, uh, so many weird things in the world, like, like, like a, you know, a truck carrying a truck, uh, or um you know a um a car with a with a one example is like a car is an actual example a car with a kayak on the roof where the kayak has a little uh, a little weight dangling from the front of the kayak in front of the car um and and yet the car must ignore this uh and just just look at the road um so it's really quite quite tricky, um, but I am I am highly confident that we will get this done. So, yes, uh, this this quarter, and I think we'll continue to see that a little bit in Q two and Q three. Uh, so Q one was was had some of the most difficult supply chain challenges that we've ever experienced in the life of Tesla. Um, insane difficulties with, uh, with supply chains, uh, with, with parts of, of over the whole range of parts. Um, obviously people have heard about the, with the chip shortage. This is a, this is a huge problem. Um, but then, you know, in, in addition to that, for, for example, we, we, um, uh, we had quite a bit difficulty scale scaling, driving uh, your production in China. Um, uh, because we were unable to get, uh, critical engineers there because of, of COVID quarantine restrictions. So, uh, which meant that Tesla Worldwide was dependent on drive units, uh, made at our factory in Nevada, Gig Nevada. Um, so that, that was a very challenging situation. I think we we're mostly out of that particular problem, but that, that's just, those that just two of, of many challenges. So the team really good, done an incredible job dealing with uh, really severe supply chain shortages. Um, So, see with respect to the Model S and X, um, there there were more challenges than expected in uh, developing the uh, Plaid Model S, what's called the the, the Palladium program, um, which is the the new version of Model S and X, which has a revised interior um, and a new battery pack. And new drive units, uh, and new internal electronics, um, and, and has, for example, a, a PlayStation 5 level uh, infotainment system. Um, There's just a a lot of a lot of issues encountered um, ensuring that the new factory was as well super safe was, was quite hard. We're working more energy in a smaller case, so. It took quite a bit of of uh, development to ensure that the battery of, of the new SX uh, is safe, um, and, and we're trying to get get all the details in the cars slowly uh, for the past few months. But we're we're just stacking them up in the yard and um, and, and and just making refinements to the cars that we built. Um, but we do expect, um, to ramp, uh, model S production and start delivering them probably, uh, next month. Um, so, um, and, and then to be in sort of fairly high volume production for the S in, in Q3 uh, and to start delivering model X and Q3 as well. So, um, I think as we, as we ramp up, I think probably the demand for the new SX will be quite high. Um, so it's really going to be a question of ramping supply chain and internal production processes. So probably we're, we're like we're, we're going to aim to produce over 2,000 SX per week. Um, perhaps you know if we get lucky, upwards of, of 2,400 or 2,500. Um, this, this again is contingent on global supply chain issues, which are just a lot of factors outside of our control here. But but I, I do think these things will get sold, so it's just a matter of time. And and then we'll be doing well over 2,000 uh, SX per week. Um, and it's, it's a great car. It, it actually costs us less to produce, a little bit less to produce, um, but it is a, a superior product. So in conclusion, there's, there's a lot to be excited about in 2021 and 22. Um, we're building factories as quickly, quickly as we can. Uh, both Texas and Berlin are, are progressing well. Um, we expect to have um, initial limited production from those factories this year uh, and volume production from Texas and Berlin next year. Um, at the same time, we're c- continuing to ramp production of Model Y in Fremont and uh, in Shanghai. In the background, we're continuing work, development work on the semi-cybertruck uh, the roadster and other products uh thanks uh, to everyone at tesla who made us here a huge success
0: first of all that note about the model 3 now outselling the bmw 3 series is not only impressive in a vacuum but i find it particularly noteworthy because the 3 series was always the car that elon benchmarked the model 3 against going back to before the Model 3 was announced, and then even when it was announced, he continued to do so prior to its release. It's similar to how he has used the Ford F-150 as a repeated benchmark for the Cybertruck to be measured against. And this is far from the first time that Tesla, by the way, has come in and eaten another automaker's lunch. The Model S did it to the Mercedes S-Class and the other cars in, in its class. The Model 3 is now doing the same to the BMW 3 Series, the Audi A4, etc. And the next one that's hungry and bellying up to the table, that would be the Model Y, which you heard Elon say, and it's something that I don't ever remember him saying before. He thinks the Model Y might become the best-selling car or truck, the best-selling vehicle, period, in the entire world. That is a big statement for sure. I mean, he's said a number of times that he believes its demand would outpace the Model 3, and technically, those two things can still be true together, but the number one selling vehicle in the, in the world, period? Boy, would I love to see that. That would be cool. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I believe the Toyota Corolla, at about a million and a half vehicles per year, is the current number one, the current uh, t- championship belt holder in that division, but uh, yeah, I mean, a million and a half Model Y a year would be would be really something special. Meanwhile, what he mentioned there about the 2,400 to 2500 and per week demand once the new refreshed models finally do roll out, just to put that in context, that would be about double what the production and presumably demand has been for the past few years since the Model 3 started production. And what that would be would be a return back to what the S and the X production was at its peak in about 2016 or so prior to the Model 3 rolling out. Over a full year, 2,500 to 20, uh, excuse me, 2,400 to 2,500 a week would be about 120 to 125,000 S's and X's combined per year. Finally, one other word of caution if you didn't catch it in that monologue. When Elon was speaking about the supply chain challenges, he did say that it's likely to continue, even if to a lesser degree, into Q2 and Q3. So just be aware of that for future reference. Uh, if you're ordering a car or just tracking Tesla's financials and their success, this could continue to linger for a bit, as, uh, as stated by Elon there. All right, next clip. How is Project Dojo coming along, the uh, full self-driving autopilot training system that Tesla has developed in-house?
1: So, um, yeah, it's just basically saying that uh, the it, although, like, right now, people think of Tesla as, a lot elect- of people think Tesla's a car company or perhaps an energy company, um, I think long-term people will think of Tesla as much as an AI robotics company as we are a car company or an energy company. Um, I think we are developing... One of the strongest hardware and software AI teams in the world. Um, certainly, we appear to be able to do uh, things with full self-driving that that others uh, cannot. So, um, and if you look at the evolution of uh, our, of what technologies we developed, um, we developed them in order to solve the problem of self-driving. So, we we couldn't find a powerful enough neural net inference. A computer, so we designed and and built our own. Um, the the software out there was 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 uh, really quite primitive for this task, and so we built a team from scratch um, and um, and have been developing what we think is probably the most advanced real world uh, AI in the world. Um, and then it sort of makes sense that this is kind of what needs to happen because. The road system is designed for a neural net computer. Our brain, our brain is a neural net computer, uh, and it's designed. The entire road system is designed for vision with neural with a neural net computer, which is because it's designed for eyes in a brain. Um, and so, if you have a system which has very good eyes, uh, you can see in all directions at once. You can see three focal points ahead or forward. Uh, but it never gets tired. It's never t- sort of texting. Um, it has redundancy, um, and its reaction time is superhuman. Then it seems pretty obvious that that such a system would achieve an extremely high level of safety far in excess of the average person. So that's that's what what we're what we're doing. Um, then Dojo is kind of the training part of that. So. Um, because we're, we're we have over a million cars, and you know perhaps you know next year we'll have two million cars in active use, um, providing vast amounts of video training data that then needs to be digested by by a very powerful training system. And currently, we use uh, it's Tesla training software. So we have a lot of we develop a lot of training software uh, a lot of, uh, labeling software to do, um, to do, uh, surround video labeling, uh, which is quite tricky. Um, this means all eight cameras simultaneously at 36 frames a second per camera, uh, labeling video over time. Um, there wasn't any tool that existed for this. So we developed our own labeling tool. Then taking it a step further, Obviously, the you know the, the holy grail is auto labeling. So now we're we're getting quite good at auto labeling, where we do we do where, where that the trainers train the training system, um, and and then the system auto labels the, the data, and, and then the, the label the human labelers just need to look at the labeling to confirm that it is correct and perhaps make edits. And then every time an edit is made, that further trains the system. So it's kind of like a flywheel, that's just sort of spinning up. Um, And and really the only way to do this is with vast amounts of video data. Um, So then we need to train this efficiently. So Dojo is really a, uh, it it is a supercomputer optimized for neural net training. Um, We think Dojo will be Probably an order of magnitude more efficient on, on say, I'm not sure what the exact right metric is, but say per frame of video, uh, we think it'll be an order of magnitude more cost efficient in hardware and in uh, energy usage per frame of video compared to a GPU-based solution, or compared to the next best solution that we're aware of. then, then you know, possibly that could be used by others. Um, it does seem as though, over time, or, I mean, just as just an observation, I think, basically, just a fact that um, neural net-based computing or you know, you know, uh, AI-based computing is a more and more of the compute stack. Um, we, we conventional computing computing perhaps heuristics uh, uh, pro- based computing, um, is still going to be important. It's looking to be very important. Um, but, uh, it, it will become, but, but, neural net will become a, a bigger and bigger portion of, um, of compute. Uh, so anyway, um, that was a long story, but I think, yeah, probably others will want to use it too and we'll make it available.
0: Two things on this one. One, I thought the analogy of the neural net and vision system being like the brain and eyes, respectively, of a person who's driving is really good. Uh, Elon Musk, as I think I've noted before, I think he is exceptionally good at making complex things seem very relatable. I appreciate that about him. Two, that said, uh, did anyone else hear that and think just couldn't help but your brain went Skynet. No, Skynet. It definitely sounded a little Skynet-y to me, and I'm only kind of joking. Uh, On a more serious note, it sounds like Tesla is willing to let other presumably car companies, but maybe not necessarily, but other companies use Dojo. I can't imagine it will be free for them to do so, however, so Tesla could potentially have another pretty substantial source of revenue with their neural network in the not too distant future because let's say let's say the VW group who's been really the only other car company that's really been serious about electric vehicles lately and in, in my humble opinion as far as established legacy automakers if they came to Tesla and said all right can, your self-driving systems is awesome can we use it that's probably going to be a um a large bill <laughs> that's going there's going to be a big net na- uh, number written on the napkin and slid across the table on that one to to cuz Tesla has spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of brain power to continue to work on this problem so that uh, that could be a new revenue source moving forward all right next up the solar roof price increases that I talked about uh was that just last week I can't keep track of things anymore but just a week or two ago, so Elon was asked, well, what about that? Here's what Elon had to say.
1: Yeah, first of all, I should say that the the demand for the solar roof remains strong. So despite uh, raising the price, the demand is still um, significantly in excess of our ability to, uh, to meet the demand to, to install the solar roofs. So production has gone fine, but, but we are choked at the installation point. Um we, we did find that we'd, we, basically made some significant mistakes in, uh, in assessing the difficulty of certain roofs, but the complexity of roofs varies dramatically. Some roofs are to be literally two or three times easier than other roofs. Um, so you just can't have a one size fits all situation. Uh, if a roof has a lot of protuberances, um, or if the roof, or, or if the roof, uh, sort of, uh, the core structure of the roof uh, is uh, is rotted out, or is not 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 strong enough to hold the solar roof. Uh, then, the the costs can be you know, two can be double, sometimes three times uh, what we what our initial quotes were. Um, so, in, in those cases, what we obviously offered to do is to you know refund customers their deposit, um, uh, and. Uh, but, but what we cannot do is is go and, and just lose a massive amount of money. Um, we we just got to provide a refund of the of the deposit. Um, but but what is um, I think most important about the solar situation, which I tweeted about you know, this past, past week, is that we're shifting the whole uh, the whole sort of solar situation, so the solar power wall, basically solar plus battery situation, to there's only one product, basically, or there's, there's only one one configuration. Every house, we, we, we will not sell a house solar without a power wall. Um, this, that solar could either be solar retrofit, you know, with conventional panels put on a roof, or it can be the Tesla solar glass roof. Uh, but in all cases, it will have the power wall, too. Technically, this, this is it's actually powerful two uh, plus if you will um the the plus refers to a higher peak power capability um, so uh, basically all power made since roughly November of last year uh, have um, a lot more peak power capability than, uh, ri- than 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 the specification on the website um, the, it, it have about twice the the power capability roughly it depends on how you count power but uh about twice the about twice the the peak power and about you know arguably twice the 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 steady state power of of the specification of the website the energy is the same but the power is is roughly double um and uh all installations uh so all installations will have the power wall and the uh the difficulty of the installation will will dramatically increase, or the, the difficulty of the, the the installation will will be will be much less. It'll be much easier because uh, the, the power from the from the solar roof, solar glass roof, or the the solar panels will only ever go to directly into the power wall, and our wall will only ever go between the utility mains between the utility and, the, and the, the main power panel of the, of the house. Uh, which means you never need to touch the main circuit breakers of the house. You, don't, you never need to touch the house circuit breakers. Effectively, almost every house therefore looks the same electrically instead of being a unique work of art and requiring uh, exceptional um, ability to rewire the main panel. So uh, th- 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 this is extremely important for scalability. It's the, it's the only way to do it, really. Um, and th- this also means that, that every uh, solar power installation, that the, the, the house or apartment or whatever the case may be, uh, will be, will be its own utility. And so even if all the lights go out in the neighborhood, you will still have power. So that, that gives people energy security. Um, and we can also, in working with the utilities, uh, use the power walls to, to stabilize the overall grid. So let's say that there's a, uh, like there was in Texas, there was, there was a, a peak power demand. And, and that peak power demand, because the grid uh, lacked the ability to buffer the power, uh, they had to shut down power. There's no power, no power storage, no good, no good point of power storage. However, with a whole bunch of power walls at houses, um, we can actually buffer the, 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 the power. So uh, if, so if, if the grid needs more power, we can actually then, um, with the consent obviously of the homeowner and the and, and in partnership with the utility, uh, we, we can then actually uh, release power onto the grid to take care of uh, peak power demands. So effectively, the power walls can operate as a giant distributed utility. This is profound. I'm not sure how many people will actually understand this, but this is extremely profound and necessary because we are headed towards a world where, uh, as, as we were just talking about earlier, where people are moving towards electric vehicles. This will mean that the the power needs uh, in in at homes and businesses will increase. Significantly, we will, th- there will need to be a bunch more electricity coming somewhere. Um, in fact, if you go to full, full renew- renewable electricity, we need about three times as much electricity as we currently have. It, it, so uh, we, we, these are rough numbers, but you roughly need twice, a, r- roughly need twice as much electricity if, if, if all transport goes electric, and then you need three times as much electricity if all heating goes electric. So basically, this is a prosperous future, I think, mean, both for for Tesla and for the utilities, because and, and in fact, I think this will this will be very. If, if this is not done, the utilities will fail to serve their customers. They won't be able to do it. They won't be able to react fast to enough. Um, and we're going to see more and more of, of what we see, see in California and Texas of of, of uh, people seeing brownouts and blackouts and. Utilities not being able to respond because the, because of the, there's a massive change going on with the transition to electric transport, and we're seeing more extreme weather events. This is a recipe for disaster. Uh, so it is very important uh, to have uh, solar and batteries at the at the local level at the house. Uh, in addition, it is important to have uh, large battery storage at the utility level, um, so that. Uh, solar and wind, which are the main forms of renewable electricity, uh, can be that electricity can be stored because sometimes the wind doesn't blow. Um, sometimes it blows a lot. Uh, sometimes it blows too much and sometimes it doesn't blow enough. Uh, but if you have a battery, you can store the energy and provide it, the energy to the grid as needed. The same goes for solar because obviously the sun does not shine at night uh, and sometimes it is very cloudy. And so uh, by having uh, battery storage paired with solar and wind, this is the long-term solution to a sustainable energy future. Um, And as I said, this really needs to occur both at the local level and at the utility level. If it doesn't occur at the the local level, what will actually be required is a a massive increase in power lines, uh, in uh, power plants. So they have to put long distance distance and local power lines all over the place. They'll have to increase the size of the substations. Uh, It's a nightmare. This must occur. There must be solar plus battery. It's the only way.
0: I appreciate Elon giving a very impassioned pitch there for why the Tesla solar plus power wall combination is important to the growth of renewable energy. But respectfully on this one, I'm not sure how much comfort that's going to be to the solar glass roof customers that I told you about last week. You know, the folks who already have signed contracts with Tesla, that, that Tesla is now saying that they can't do that job for the contracted prices. A little update on this that's relevant to this sound clip is that apparently Tesla is now offering a free Power Wall to at least some of those affected customers, which that's a decent gesture. That's good. But again, when some of those owners have agreements for Tens of thousands of dollars less than what Tesla now wants to charge them for the project. It seems like maybe it's not quite enough. I mean, it's I guess it's a case by case basis, right? Some people are going to be totally fine with that. Some people still are going to be not happy and and just cancel their deposit, cancel their order. I would be curious if anybody in my audience who is affected by this is going to take them up on the free power wall and continue with the project or cancel and get your deposit back. It's, a, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not privy to all the nitty gritty details, but on the surface, I'd like to see Tesla just do the right thing and, and honor those contracts and prices for the relatively small number of people that this affects and just, great, make your pricing adjustment, make your change moving forward for future customers, but but honor the ones that you already have. Okay, next up. Uh this now is the qu- inevitable question that was going to come up on this earnings call about the recent car accident, Model S accident and subsequent fire in Texas in the private community in Texas. So speaking here is Lars Moravi, he is the Vice President of Vehicle Engineering.
2: Uh well, uh, I can I'll take this one guys. From from the safety side, I continue to say, uh, say if you want to he is Drive yeah, point and cool. Go ahead, Elon. I, know, I think, uh, please go ahead.
1: Uh, it, it, I think it's special worth just uh, going through the facts of the, uh, what, uh, I mean, specifically there, there were, uh, there was an article regarding um, a, a tragedy where, where uh, there was a high-speed accident in, in Tesla that, uh, and there was re- really just um, extremely deceptive uh, media pra- practices where it was claimed to be autopilot, but this is completely false. Uh, and those journalists should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, please go ahead, Lars.
2: Yeah, thanks, Elon. So I was just saying, we're committed to safety in all our designs and that's you know number one in what we do here. Um, regarding the crash in Houston specifically, we work directly with uh, the local authorities, NTSB and NHTSA wherever applicable and whenever they reach out to us for help, directly on the engineering level and whatever else we can support. Um, in that vein, we did a, a, a study with them uh, over the past week um, to understand what happened in that particular crash. And what we've learned from that uh, effort was that AutoSteer did not and could not engage on the road condition that uh, as it was designed. Uh, our adaptive cruise control only engaged when a driver was buckled and above five miles per hour. Um, and it only accelerated to 30 miles per hour with the distance um, uh, before the car crashed. Um, as well, uh, adaptive cruise control disengaged the car slowly to complete to a stop uh, when the driver's seatbelt was unbuckled. Through further investigation of the vehicle and uh, accident remains, um, we inspected the car with NTSB and NHTSA and the local police and were able to find that the steering wheel was indeed deformed, so there must, leading to the likelihood that someone was in the dri- driver's seat at the time of the crash, and all seatbelts post-crash were found to be unbuckled. Um, we were unable to recover the data from the, the, uh, data, uh, the SD card at the time of impact, but the local authorities are working on doing that, and we await their report. Um, as I said, we, we continue to hold safety in a higher regard and, 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 and um, look to improve our products in the future uh, through this kind of data and other uh, information from the field.
0: I know I said last week that I intentionally didn't cover this accident because of the media's treatment of what appeared to be a simple misuse of an automobile by the driver and or his friend, but I do think that Elon's response to this is worth playing and responding to. First, you can tell, number one, they were clearly prepared for this question. Uh, And second, there's still a lot of question marks around this about... know how fast the car was going how this this these fatalities happened what I mean it's it is a very strange case a lot of unanswered questions but barring any strange revelation I'm I'm personally not inclined to feed into this beyond just playing Elon's response here uh and and you know keeping you informed that way but it's uh it's it's an unfortunate tragedy and and one that I hope Tesla learns from and uh and you know, it's, it's a shame that it cost people their lives, but, uh, but yeah, this is the, the, the whole coverage of this has been ridiculous and out of control. I mean, w- way beyond what it deserved relative to the, the thousands of other car fires and accidents in gasoline-powered cars on a daily basis in this country. All right, uh, production. Elon was asked: it's a pretty good question from the analyst. How far away are we from seeing 5x to 10x production improvement which that question was based on battery day which is because that's where Tesla's trying to get to right they're trying to get to 20 million cars per year so Elon was asked for a little update on that and here's what he had to say
1: oh I think we're still, we're still quite far away from it um, I mean the, the thing to bear in mind with with production is Uh, For those who have never done production, they just don't understand how insanely hard production is. Um, I want to be very, very emphatic here. Prototypes are trivial. They're child's play. Production is hard. It is very hard. Now you say production at, at, at at large scale with higher liability and low cost? Insanely difficult what Tesla achieved on the automotive side was not to create an electric car. The, the truly profound thing on the, on the car side is that Tesla was the first American car company to achieve volume production of a car in 100 years and not go bankrupt. So this is... This, this, I basically... Myself and many others at Tesla I had to basically have several aneurysms to get this done, it was it was so hard to have no idea. So anyway, and, and the thing about making a large complex manufactured object is, let's say you have or approximation, 10,000 unique items. If even one of those items is slow, that sets your weight. Just one, doesn't matter how, can be, tr- so trivial. We, we've had uh, production, production, uh, stuff because of carpet in the trunk. We had production stuff because of USB cable. At, at one point for the Model we literally raided every uh, electronics store in the Bay Area. It was for, for for a few days there, nobody could buy a USB cable in the Bay Area because we, we, we went and bought them all to put them in the car, um, <laughs> literally. And there's, they're like, hundreds of stories like that. So anyway, that's the the solving that, those constraints and, 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 and a logistics problem that makes world war two look trivial. I'm not kidding. Like the scale is insane. Um, you know, we're talking millions of cars, massive global supply chain, um, 50 countries, uh, dozens of regulatory regimes, um, it's same.
0: I know you've heard Elon talk about the complexity of production a million times before, but I just thought that the little anecdote about USB cables on the Model S was amusing, so I thought I would play it for you in case you enjoyed it, too. Uh, next up, Secret Master Plan Part 2. Remember that from, gosh, what must be three, four years ago now? Well, Elon was asked for an update about that, specifically the sort of city bus van, like a high-passenger big van thing that was mentioned in Secret Master Plan Part 2. Not at this time. There you go. Shortest clip ever. One second long. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything to read into the fact that he didn't just say, nah, we're not doing that. So I wonder if they might be working on something for the Boring Company tunnels, such as the new fully operational one in Las Vegas. Then again, I don't really see Tesla using Any of it's still relatively limited bandwidth. It's, I mean, it's not even limited resources anymore. It's limited bandwidth, which is just as important, if not more. But I don't see them using any of that on such a niche case, use case like this, like the Boring Company Tunnels. But then again, it's Elon and it's Tesla. So you never quite know. All right, let's see. I've got uh, two more clips for you from the earnings call this week. Here is the update I promised you earlier on the 4680 battery cells. Drew Baglino, the uh, battery head, getting in on this one as well.
1: So we have the, uh, and, and Drew can add to this, but uh, we, we have the a the, the, small sort of pilot plant, which is still big by normal standards. It's expected to have like a 10 gigawatt per year, gigawatt hour per year capability uh, in um, pretty much California. Um and uh, we've made quite a few cells. Um, we're not we're not quite yet at the point where we think the cells are re- reliable enough to be shipped in cars, um, but we're getting close to that point. Um, and um, and then we've we're, we're already uh, you know uh, ordered um, most of the equipment for battery production uh, in Berlin. Uh, and, uh, and then, and, and then much of it for Austin as well. Um, so we're, we're really down to like the nitty gritty elements. Um, but overall, I think we still sort feel of quite optimistic about uh, this achieving volume production of the forty six eighty next year. Yeah,
3: great. You you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Just one thing I would add is there's been a lot of questions about uh, yield. Actually, I noticed people asking about that. And uh, you know the yield progress has been really strong uh, every day. And we were really still in commissioning phase. We were really still in commissioning phase with most of the tools uh, to the point where we're confident that the yield trajectory aligns with our internal cost projections. Um, We did talk about yield also at Battery Day, which is one of the reasons why it's it's useful to check in on that. you know, it takes a while, as Elon just mentioned, to go from uh, prototype to production. And it's not just parts, it's processes, it's equipment. Um, but as we've matured those pieces of the process, the process equipment, we've we've gotten to where we need to be on, on the yield side.
1: Yeah, I and mean, basically, it, it, this is just a guess, because we don't know for sure. But it appears as though we're about 12 12- that they're probably not more than eighteen months away from volume production of of the forty six eighty now at the same time we we are actually trying to uh, have our, our cell supply uh, partners uh, ramp up their supply as much as possible so this is not uh, something that is to the exclusion of suppliers it is in, in conjunction with suppliers um, so yeah. we're you know we're, we want to be super clear about that. This is not about replacing suppliers, it is about supplementing uh, the suppliers. So, um, we have a very strong partnership with with CATL, with Panasonic and LG. Um, and we would, our request to our um, strategic partners for cell supply is please make as, uh, please supply us with as, as much as you possibly can. Um, pro- provided the, the price is affordable, we will buy uh, everything that they can make.
3: Yeah, it. yeah, and specific to that, we've we're on track to more than double the supplier capacity over the next years.
1: Yeah, we, we, we exactly. We, we do expect from suppliers willing to, receive double the cell output next year versus this year. Yep.
0: Well, they'll need to double cell production from this year to next in order to accommodate everything that's on their plate. Which, again, as I like to do, just for a 10,000-foot view reminder, is the following. Cybertruck, which has hundreds of thousands of pre-orders. Not one, but two new Model Y factories. Plus, Semi and Roadster as well. Oh, and uh, the Plaid Plus Model S as the cherry on top next year as well. Although, maybe the Roadster is the cherry on top. Maybe it's just two cherries on top. Anyway, That was probably the best analyst question of the entire call, in my opinion, because it was an excellent question that, by way of Elon answering it honestly, as he usually does, gives us a good window into a lot of things, since the 4680 cells are so crucial to everything that Tesla is spinning up over the next year and a half. All right, final clip I have for you is regarding future capacity and future product that future product mentioned from the, uh, the shareholder letter earlier. Well, here's a little bit on that.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think we, we don't want to talk too much about, um, future product development, uh, the earning schools are not, not the right place for, um, to make, make, make major product announcements. So it's, yeah, we, we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk about it later.
0: You could tell that Elon really, really wanted to talk about the $25,000 car right there. And I feel like in the past, he probably would have done so right there. But the older, wiser Elon, who's now the head of a Fortune 500 company and not just a little electric vehicle startup, you could tell he fought back the urge there. So we'll have to wait a bit longer to hear about what uh, Tesla has coming up down the road. All right, stick with me. I'm not quite done. I've got your pro tip of the week coming up a little bit. I'm not going to do the uh, Ride the Lightning Hotline calls this week, as I usually do not on the earnings call shows, because as you can tell, it's already been, what, where are we at here? We're over an hour already, so I want to be respectful of your time. Feel free to keep your calls coming, one 989 tsla or just email your 90-second-or-less question to teslapodcast at gmail.com. But otherwise, uh, again, I will be right back with your pro tip of the week. And I'll tell you about my road trip from San Francisco down here to Arizona coming up right after this. Well, before I get to your pro tip of the week, I just want to talk real fast about my road trip. I'm very blessed to say, thankful to say, that it went really well. In sharp contrast to the last time that I drove from San Francisco to the Phoenix area, when there was snow in the Grapevine Mountains, and I had my summer tires on the car, and needed to go all the way around, and there was a multi-hour wait at the Mojave Charger, and you heard about that back at holiday of 2019, But this time, I felt like it was almost like it was karmic rebalancing because uh, I feel like it genuinely could not have gone better. There was no traffic getting through the LA area at all, which is a miracle unto itself. The weather was great. It never got too hot. I mean, the car was never really strained. Uh, Just the charging stops went great. I started at Fireball. That was my first stop, which is the new-ish 56 V3 stall charger that we recently did a a Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club event at. This time I stopped there as just a, a regular user road tripper passing through. So that was good. And then the next stop was Tejon Ranch, which is at the foot of the Grapevine Mountains north of Los Angeles. That's a it's a V2. There's I don't know how many it is, if it's like 12 or 18, something like that. It that one was continually packed the entire time I was there. That one seems like and again, it was the The middle of a Sunday, like, you know, it wasn't like it was, I don't know, any kind of holiday or anything. So that one feels like it needs an upgrade, either more chargers and or upgrading the ones that are there to V3s. Although I did get the opportunity while at the very packed Tejon Ranch Supercharger, I met a a new Tesla owner. He just purchased a a, uh, a Model X, not one of the refresh ones, obviously, but but one from inventory. Hi, I want to say hi to Ronnie. If he happens to be listening to this, because we struck up a conversation, told him about the podcast. He he had some questions about the car because you know it's it's a lot to take in when you're. It's not that it's difficult or complex. It's just different, and it's a lot of information that you're taking in. So I did my best to answer some questions for Ronnie. Super nice guy. I hope he's enjoying his Model X. And then I went to after I got to, you know on the other side of L.A., heading towards Phoenix which is a, a, new, a new station to me. I don't know quite when it opened, but Beaumont, California, which I, I have to give the Beaumont stop a ton of credit because it is literally right next to an In-N-Out burger right when I was hungry, too. I got there. I was very hungry, so I plugged my car in. I mean, the, the, the chargers are, are directly up against, they're on the other side of the curb from the In-N-Out drive through. So I put some pictures. I put pictures of each of the four stops on my Instagram. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram, if you want to follow me there. And uh, and you can see one of the pictures is just the car charging at Beaumont, and there's the in-and-out drive-through behind it. So that worked out very, very nicely for me. So that was nice, a V3 stop. I guess, yeah, in all, three of the four stops were V3 superchargers, whereas a year ago, that was not the case. And two years ago, when I first did this, did that trip, not the case at all. Then, of course, two years ago, there were zero V3s. Uh, but yeah, the, the, and then the final stop was Quartzite, Arizona, which I have to say, so Quartzite is another one. That one's been upgraded. There are 28 new V3 superchargers. Quartzite, I had previously called the worst supercharger I had ever been to. Because it is in the back of a Carl's Jr. parking lot. And it's like, I believe it's only six V2 Chargers. I would see on Reddit at the holidays, I would see there'd be huge lines at that one. Because you almost have to hit that one if you're going between Phoenix and Los Angeles. Now there's there's a new one. There's Ehrenberg, which is just like 11 miles down the road. It's right on the California-Arizona border. I actually visited that one on my last trip in before the pandemic, and ended up doing Quartzsite this time. The, the, there was a dirt lot next to the, you know, the six, the six Carl's Jr. Chargers. They took that dirt lot, paved over it, and put in twenty-eight brand new V3 Chargers. So a really nice and needed upgrade there at Quartzite. Good stuff. So, yeah, I just consider myself very fortunate to have had an uneventful and quick drive from San Francisco to the Phoenix area. And I am uh, I am hoping and, and praying that I will have just as as problem free of a, of a return trip this weekend. I'm just hoping, you know, no flat tires, no accidents, no damage to the car. Hopefully no encounters with highway patrol, <laughs> just hopefully nice and smooth getting back home, but it's been uh, it's been nice to, to hang out here with my parents for the first time in a long, long time. All right, time for the pro tip of the week. It comes this week from Rich in Seattle, a regular caller. Here's what Rich has to offer.
4: Hey, Ryan, Rich Tong here from Seattle. Uh, good talking to you. Uh, Love your podcast. Just wanted to give you some, a pro tip on long distance travel. I heard that note about really believing in the uh, Tesla uh, planner. I just want to tell you that uh, we've done two trips. Um, uh, one was 2,500 miles round trip all the way to LA, and another was uh, almost a 1,600 round trip to Salt Lake City. So I guess I'm a mini expert on this. But um, if you're really going to do this well, while the trusting the Tesla routing thing is good, the best thing to do is to use a better route planner. Uh, it makes you basically do more frequent. Stops, but because you're charging between 10 and 50%, you go much faster. So I was just looking at my trip to L.A., and we basically did about 800 miles from San Francisco right by you all the way up to Seattle in about uh, 12 and a half hours plus about an hour and a half of charging time. Uh, that's about the minimum you can get. Um, I guess the second tip would be you really want to optimize for those 250-kilowatt chargers. They really do make a difference, particularly – uh, this summer, when everyone's back on the road, because everyone gets 250 kilowatts, you're not sharing 150k, and we definitely had that optimization that we did even above ABPR. So, net net, um, uh, anyone who wants consulting on doing a trip across the country, I feel like I'm the world's expert right now. I'm happy to help. Talk to you soon, Ryan. Bye.
0: Thank you, Rich. A better route planner has definitely been mentioned before. You can use their website or they have an app as well. And good note about the V3 chargers. Honestly, in my experience, I think the fact that V3 chargers aren't paired is as big of an upgrade, if not bigger than the actual higher peak charging rates. Being able to pull into any supercharger stall, even if it's the last free one at a station and be parked next to somebody and still get the max capacity of that supercharger, that is huge compared to getting the short end of the stick at a, at a paired V2 supercharger. Thank you very much, Rich. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, something unique, interesting, that you uh, have found out, discovered about your car that you want to share, that you think is worth sharing with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please send it in. You can send it in the same way that you send in your Ride the Lightning hotline calls, which I mentioned earlier on. All right, time to hit the road here. Before I do, I want to mention some friends of the podcast. Uh, first, let me mention, this is episode 300, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to selfishly plug my Patreon a little bit first. So, it has been 300 episodes. I have been going every single week since 2015. I, uh, I take pride in that. That is, uh, you know, you, you can hate the podcast, although if you've made it this far, I can't imagine that you hate it. But, you know, you can not like the podcast... But I feel like we've well, got to respect the effort, right? I mean, it's week in, week out. I, I do believe that it's important to deliver a podcast every single week because, quite frankly, there are a million podcasts out there on every single subject. If suddenly I'm not releasing podcasts at a predictable pace anymore, well, guess what? You're going to go find something else to listen to, and you're going to be justified in doing so if I'm not out there week in and week out at the same time, same day, every single week. And so, you know, a lot of time, it is a big time commitment. I also, as as I hope is obvious, put in a lot of research and energy and passion and enthusiasm for this. I do love it. I love it just as much, if not more now, after 300 episodes than I did on the at the first episode. So, you know, the primary way to support the podcast is through Patreon. And, and if you're not familiar with Patreon, you can read up on it. But it's basically, it is a way to pledge support to your favorite creators, whether they're musicians, whether they're podcasters, whether they're uh, painters, whatever it is, authors, and so you can just pledge either a monthly amount. In my case, the the pledges you can start at five bucks a month, and in return you'll get a little bonus for that. You'll get early access to each week's episode about a day early. Uh, but you can also do if you don't want to do a monthly thing, you can just do a an annual pledge, a once a year pledge, and you'll even get a 5% discount, uh, for doing so. So if at some point, whether it's now, whether it's sometime in the hopefully not too distant future, if you feel like I've earned your support, cause that's what it is. I'm not, I'm only, uh, hoping that I have earned it. I'm not, you know, I will never demand it because this podcast will always just be free on your favorite podcast service. But if you feel like I've earned your support, I hope you might consider giving it at some point. The place to do it is my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right. With that, let me also mention abstractocean.com, your one-stop shop for all the best Tesla accessories, all kinds of stuff from the rear footwell lighting kit, which is a really nice, just feels like that should have been there from the factory, which is my favorite kind of aftermarket upgrade where it just, it seems stock, it seems original, it seems factory. The rear footwell lighting kit, particularly for you Model Y owners, I think that's a good one. They've got those, they've got the drop-in cup holder stabilizers, Uh, they've got the center console wrap kits in different styles for those of you, uh, which is most of you that have the older style piano gloss black center console in your Model 3 or Model Y. They've got uh, the tempered glass screen protectors for the 3 and the Y, which are awesome as well. All that and so much more at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, the snap plate, which is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds safely, securely. It's the one, you know, rather than use the one that Tesla gives you, which will... Use double-sided automotive adhesive to stick to the paint on the front of your bumper. Don't do that. Grab a snap plate instead, which you can get at everyamp.com. That's E-V-E-R-Y-A-M-P. Everyamp.com slash RTL. Please don't forget the slash RTL. And uh, you can get yourself a snap plate for the SX3 or Model Y. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections. My new friend, Jeff, he's not even new. We've been friends for several years now, which is great. Jeff's a wonderful person and a wonderful detailer as well. If you are in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're going to be here with your car, if you'd like to treat your car to maybe paint correction, maybe ceramic coating, maybe uh, some paint protection film on the front of it or even all of it, do that at uh, Immaculate Reflections, and I guarantee you, I actually guarantee you, you're going to leave happy. That's the kind of attention to detail that Jeff provides. He tells me about how he even wraps like on the on the bottom rocker panels. He wraps like under the car. And he was telling me a story about another detailer friend of his said, "So Jeff, why do you do that? No one will ever see it." And Jeff just says, "No, it's just it's just how it should be. That's how I want to do it. That's that's, you know, going the extra mile." So, I love Jeff. I love his work at Immaculate Reflections and I cannot recommend him enough. And there's a discount for Ride the Lightning listeners. So should you want to book in with him, and by the way, he is booking up pretty far in advance now. He's getting busy. He wanted me to politely pass word that if it's something you're thinking about, you should get in touch with him sooner rather than later to get on his calendar. So his website is irdetailing.com. That is how to get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. Meanwhile... Your dash cam and sentry mode, one-stop shop is puretesla.com slash RTL, 49 bucks for a 128 gig kit that will be sent free. It's free shipping anywhere in the United States or at least the continental United States, I think. You can also step up to the 256 gig kit for $69 if that uh, is of interest as well, but get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL and just never have to worry about The security aspect, you know, your your dash cam and sentry mode are always going to work properly. And then finally, my friends at Jada and their ever-expanding line of products, they make the—there's actually a new version 4 of their wireless charging pad for the Model 3, uh, because the Model Ys all have have it built in. Of course, the new 3s have it built in, the 2021s. But for the rest of you, which includes me, uh, the V4 is now an even nicer finish. So you should check that out, uh, and it has all the same excellent charging capability. It supports all the big phones. I've got an, an iPhone 12 Pro Max, and it fits on there vertically, uh, you know, in portrait or landscape mode. Uh, I really think it is the essential accessory for your for your Tesla if you if uh, you don't have it already built in, if you don't have a new enough Tesla where it's built in. So, plus they have the USB hub, the SSD drive, and now the the newest product. The Jada tray, which is the center console organizer that will wirelessly charge your, your uh, Apple AirPods or your, your Pixel Buds. Anyway, use the coupon code RTL if you're shopping there to get a nice discount. And please use my referral link. If you're going to buy anything, please go uh, do so through this link. GetJada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. That will about do it. Uh, if you're not already following the podcast, you can do so so that the podcasts are just pushed out to you each and every week. You don't have to remember, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. I should go download the new Ride the Lightning. Now, just follow me on any of your favorite podcast services, which are, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and then TuneIn and Spotify, which are both in your car. So you can, there are two ways to listen to this show straight through your car. I'm also on YouTube, Just it's audio only, but if you do just prefer to listen via YouTube, maybe you're at your computer during the day, and that's easiest for you. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and you'll find my channel and can subscribe there, no problem. That will about do it. Other than saying hello to all of the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster and Space tier backers, the highest tier, the most uh, generous supporters I've got, for which I am all eternally grateful to you, I want to mention first the newest Plaid backer, Jonathan Zelesny. Jonathan, please let me know if I've mispronounced your last name and I'll make sure to get it corrected for the future. But Jonathan, welcome and thank you so much for your generosity and kindness and supporting at the Plaid level. The rest of the Plaid crew, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith. Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Anguin, Chase Cabanias, the Lydia family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, and the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin. Thank you all so much. The Maximum Plaid crew, who I get to see every month at the Google Hangouts, which have been an absolute blast for the, what, five or six months we've been doing those. Thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Cos Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick wisneski Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, M.T. and Will Stedman. Thank you all very much. And an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, and Sean Neidig. Thank you all very much. And again, just I want to take one last moment before I sign off here. The, just it is episode three hundred, and the fact is, this thing, I mean, three hundred shows is is a lot when you're doing about an hour a week. I mean, the if you were to plot the the length of the podcast out on a graph over time, it has gotten substantially longer. But in in, in what I hope is a good way, again, I'm I'm trying to be respectful of your time. But I think you know, in the beginning, they were like twenty twenty five minutes. Then I added the hotline, which I, I love with having you guys call in and. It got to, like, 45 minutes, and, you know, these days, it's, it's between an hour and an hour and ten or so each week. This week, a bit longer, because the earnings call episodes usually are longer, but uh, I just, I really have had a blast doing this, and again, I mean it when I say I'm just getting started. I mean, th- this company is, continues to, their mission is one I believe in. Uh, first and foremost, the products, the cars. I just, I love the cars. That's why I started this because I love their cars, but I also am a believer in the mission. Uh, I'm just fully on board with what this company is doing. They are changing the world. You know, the automotive world, and hopefully in time, the entire world, by virtue of having to... Basically, intimidate every other automaker into into making electric cars or shame them, whatever it's going to take, by virtue of them, you know, Tesla outselling everybody else. And as I talked about earlier on this show, the Model S ate the lunch of all the premium luxury sedans. Then the Model, now the Model 3 is eating the lunch of all the, you know, the the premium entry midsize sedans. The Model Y is on its way to doing the same. Then the Model Two, when it hits, is gonna, you know, that's gonna just be a, a force multiplier. So I love it. I mean, I just I'm I'm having such a blast. The next couple years of this company, I, which I've talked about before many times, I think the the roadmap here really is. I mean, Elon talks about how oh we have we think we have the most exciting roadmap of any company. For me, as just someone who loves cars, I lo- it's it's amazing to me. I mean, the Cybertruck is just gonna be incredible to see on the road and have it that be a real product. Again, I, I wish I could own one again. It's just my living situation is not compatible with the cyber truck and that's okay. But, uh, as again, as someone who's owned a stainless steel car, I, I would love to own a cyber truck, but the roadster and what that thing is going, we don't even know what that thing is actually capable of yet and what the SpaceX package is going to do to sort of cheat physics and cheat all the performance records and make it basically that that'll thing that thing might end up being like a video game car in real life, and that's going to be incredible. And just and then the Model Two, the Model Two being the as I said the force multiplier, the thing that w- could change really could could be an even bigger catalyst for global uh, electrification of the automotive fleet. Than, than the Model 3 has been and the Model Y has been. So the future is is so exciting and I'm happy to keep doing this podcast. Um, I'm loving the, the time I spend doing it and the, the feedback that I get from you guys. It's just such a wonderful privilege to get to do this. And I'm so grateful to all of you for your time and your attention each and every week and, and your support, whether it's through Patreon or, or just listening, whatever it is, I mean, I, I love it and thank you. So, here's to the next 300 episodes, but for now, I will sign off from Arizona. I'm Brian McCaffrey, this was Ride the Lightning, episode 300, for May, what was this, May 2nd, right, is Sunday, even though I'm recording here on Friday morning, but yes, for May 2nd, 2021, This was Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, including to me, since I'm going to be doing some electric motoring this weekend as I go home. But uh, happy electric motoring to all of you, and I'll see you back here for episode 301 next week.